Advent is a lesson in waiting. We wait and wait and wait until the day that we can celebrate the coming of Jesus. We've had a special opportunity this year to, to live into that as we've waited, waited nine months and then waited 31 hours to finally see a little baby named Emmett James. And for the first time, I get to say out loud, congratulations, Dad. That's Thanks. awesome. Gramps. Awesome. <laughs> <clears throat> we learned a lot about waiting. Yeah. And now you're having the fun of having a kid in the house. So tell us all the great parenting advice you have for the universe here. What all have you learned in a week? Oh, I, I don't know about <laughs> parenting advice, but I, I do know that I've, I've recognized that Emmett has shown off his best qualities of both his mother and his father already. Uh, in terms of his mother, I mean, you, as you said, 31-hour labor. We went out on Friday, uh, Friday night, and he was born on December 18th, which was his original due date. So while it took him forever to come out the door, he showed up on time. And then for his father, um, he has officially peed on four people. <laughs> Old faithful. Every time we change that diaper, it's, it's almost a guarantee that we hear, no, no, Emmett, stop. And so, I mean, he's got that little prankster in him. So uh, Emmett, keep it up. He's, al he's also a pretty good sleeper. So he's a great sleeper. I know you were nervous this morning about stealing the thunder of the morning because the thunder is about Jesus. Mm -hmm. And I think for me, what this has done is just heightened all the, all the realities of Christmas. I mean, if you'd have said to Riley on Saturday night, get on a donkey, we're going on a trip, She'd that, that would have worked out really well, right? Yeah. Um, I, I, I told mom the other day driving that, you know, I watched her go through labor three times. And I don't know why it is this time that I've just been so sensitive to the, to the pain she went through, through the hardship she went through. And the fact that a woman was willing to do that to bear the Son of God is, is amazing. But then <clears throat> the vulnerability of a baby. You know, we've realized he has three different sleeping. He's got the little snore. He's got the rapid breathe. And then he's got the, is he alive breathe? Shaking. Where you're just like, <laughs> you're doing something, anything. To think that Mary was looking at this baby and looking at God in this vulnerable little wrapper. Mm. And everything about his birth has been a beautiful sterile hospital, a nice warm house, all the best of the best, and she's laying him down in a barn. God did that. God was willing to enter a vulnerable baby in the most unsanitary of conditions and be put in the arms of a teenager for us. I just, it's heightened everything. Mm -hmm. It's heightened everything. So I also got to give <clears throat> a quick shout to Mary because swaddling, that's not easy. <laughs> <laughs> that is, man, for and a teenager to be able to do that, 33-year-old, I can't do it. I'm dumb, but yeah. No. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> so we've been going through these Advent readings, and I, I, I love the last couple here. This one is called, Who Am I? And it's based on the readings where where David is having a conversation with God and just saying, why in the world would you choose my family? Why in the world would you choose me? And I hope this morning you have a little bit of that why in the world feeling. God, why would you reveal yourself to me? Why would you call me to be your child? So read that for us, please. Throughout Scripture, one finds moments of great humility when the chasm between creature and creator is acutely felt. 
Perhaps nowhere greater is this seen than in the heartfelt prayers of King David. As he says in the Psalms, what is man that you are mindful of him? Or as we see in today's passage, he goes before the Lord and says, who am I, O Lord? And what is my house that you have brought me thus far? David was a flawed man and at times overcome by his distorted passions and desires, yet also defined by his longing to know God and be known by him. And when he came to his senses and saw how his decisions led to his own self-made isolation, he wept bitterly over his sins and pleaded for the Lord's healing touch. In short, he was a human being, imperfect, yet loved by God and transformed by that love, in one way or another, David is infinitely relatable. Each of us finds our own stories within his life and within his prayers. Living with an awareness of our sin and God's mercy leads us to a life of profound gratitude. We know the gap between our brokenness and God's holiness, and yet our Lord continually draws near, never finding a distance he cannot cross to reach those whom he loves. This, of course, is the message of Advent and the hope of Christmas. Though our sin and sickness have led us astray and taken us off course, God comes to us in Christ, entering the chaos and confusion to bring us back with him. We weren't sure if you'd make it today, you know, with all going on. And so we normally have you read the Christmas story on Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, um, and in order to guarantee that it got done, we decided to ask some of your friends for help on this. So we're going to find out if you've been doing a good job as a leader of our students or not as they share the Christmas story with us. All right? All right. Here we go. <laughs> Almost 2,000 years ago, in the village of Nazareth, a girl named Mary was visited by an angel named Gabriel. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her, For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. At this time, Mary was engaged to her soon-to-be husband, Joseph. When told, Joseph was hurt and confused because he did not believe Mary. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Mary and Joseph had to travel to Bethlehem because of an order from the Roman emperor that a census of all people is taking place in their hometown. After traveling pregnant on a donkey for several days, Mary and Joseph arrived in Bethlehem and they were told there was no place for them to stay. Seeing that Mary was due at any moment, an inn owner told Joseph that they could stay in his stable. Not long after, Jesus was born. The only place for the sleeping baby was most likely in the animal's trough known as the manger. During this time, an angel appeared to shepherds watching over their flocks in a town near Bethlehem. They were terrified at the sight. But the angel reassured them, Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all the people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. The shepherds immediately went to find baby Jesus. After some time, three wise men saw the brilliant star in the sky that, re that rested over where Jesus was born. The wise men traveled from a distant eastern country to Bethlehem and found Jesus where the star pointed. 
they knelt and worshipped the Savior and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. This is the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Let's pray together. God in heaven, uh, we are grateful for the birth of Jesus. You knew from the moment that human beings fell into sin that we could not be connected with you apart from a solution that came from you. So often when people offend us, we want to shut them out. We want to hurt them. We want to get revenge. But when we hurt you, your heart screamed love. When we sinned against you, you said, I, I can't let my kid go. And you stood at the end of the road waiting for us to come back home. And you did all of this by sending to earth the most valuable love of your life, your son. You gave up your son so that we could have you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We will be eternally grateful. In Jesus' name, amen. One of my favorite things happened this past week. I was in the gym and I looked out and I know exactly what's going on. I can tell by the speed of the car, can tell everything about it. Yet another 15-year-old is learning how to drive in our parking lot. I love it. It's one of the best places. I mean, you know, you can't hurt anything. All we have is islands and light poles and, and a lot of clear, clear places to go ahead and drive. So I look out and, um, and I, I just love watching because you can see poor mom or dad being reminded of what whiplash is as the kid touches the brakes just a little too hard or hits the gas just a little too much. And I like going out when I can, whether I know the family or not, just kind of go out and say, so how we doing? And so sure enough, they pulled up. They saw me wave from the gym and I, I walked on out and I'm like, hey, how's everybody? And you could see I didn't even need a cuff. Mom's blood pressure is like 200 over, you know, 85,000. She's just ready to, and, and, and it, it, the kid was doing great. She really was. But, but, you know, between the herking and jerking and everything else, and then this realization that you're giving your child a couple ton piece of metal that's going to go conquer the world, it's kind of frightening because it's not just that we're going to be practicing here in the parking lot, but at some point, you're actually going to be out there on the road. It's just, it's, it's fun to watch. I'm glad I went through it three times. I never want to go through it again. And so um, if I could give advice to these kids when they come and practice in our parking lot, driving advice, my, my biggest piece of advice would probably be beware in intersections. Intersections are just incredibly dangerous. Nasty stuff happens in the intersections all the time. You know, I was once in a, in a funeral procession on the way to the cemetery uh, as a kid, and the car in front of us literally got smashed by a garbage truck coming through that didn't see that we were coming on through. Intersections are incredibly dangerous 
nasty stuff happens in intersections. Beyond that, when you come to an intersection, you have to make some choices. Am I going to keep going straight, turn left, turn right? Oh no, four-way stop. Did I come here first? Did they come here first? There's a lot of thinking that goes on at an intersection. It's no wonder that that's where most accidents happen. I've been in three accidents in my life. All of them happened at intersections, every last one of them. Here's the thing, though. Spiritually, intersections and the collisions that happen there are fantastic. They're the best. You're just riding along in life, minding your own business, doing your thing, and you come to an intersection, and God says, we're going to have an accident today, but it's no accident. It's a divine collision, and you've got some choices to make. You need to hear what's going on here in this moment. I think that's what Christmas is all about. Christmas is one of the greatest collisions in human history, where, where human beings were just doing their own thing, and, and on the scene bursts this child who changes everything. The intersection was announced by angels. We've been, we've been studying angels throughout the month of December here at our church, and, and um, we come to this final installment. We're, we're going to look at four messages from different angels. And as you look at these messages, what you start to realize is that they weren't just messages to those people, they're messages to us. There's a collision going on here. There's a, there's a collision, and God is inviting us into the story of Jesus, into the story of the gospel, into the story of Christmas. The first collision took place with a man who was very old. His name is Zachariah. He's a priest. He served faithfully at the temple for all of his life. This is a man that everybody would say, Ah, oh, Zachariah, he is such a good guy. And the only thing better than Zachariah is Elizabeth. They are a phenomenal couple. You've never met a couple like these two. They're just, they're amazing people. And when you hear that, you think, Oh my goodness, if they're that good, God must have just poured out blessing after blessing after blessing upon them. They prayed all their life for one thing. God, we want a baby. We just want a baby. Give us a baby. And they prayed and prayed and prayed. And finally, they, they prayed to the point that they were a little too old. It just wasn't going to happen. Zachariah is performing his duty there in the temple. And an angel appears to him. And the angel says, hey, you don't have to be afraid. Zachariah, I've come to talk to you. Your prayer, prayer, your prayers and prayers and prayers and prayers have been answered. Elizabeth is going to bear a son and you're going to name him John. I don't know about you. Have you ever prayed for something so long that when the answer comes, you kind of go, what? Really? I mean, I've been praying for this. I've been longing for this. Zachariah's like, what are you saying? And, and he's confused and he doesn't know what to do with it. And the angel says, here's the deal. You're wondering, you want a sign? Here's the sign. You're not going to talk until the baby is named. You're going you're to be silent so that you can just pay attention to God's motion in your life. Pay attention to what's happening in your life. The collision for us here today is the message, the message to Zechariah was an improbable message. There are not many people in their 60s, 70s, 80s that have babies. It's improbable. It's not impossible. But it's improbable. What have you been praying for for a long, long time? And it's gone on so long that you feel like the expiration date, is, it's expired. It's never going to happen. It's just never going to happen. You see, in those improbable messages, God is teaching us how to wait. I don't know why he teaches us how to wait. It's one of the 
I hate waiting. Who likes waiting? Nobody likes waiting. And if you have something that has been improbable, my guess is God is teaching you how to wait. He's growing that waiting spirit within you. Just saying, wait on me, and as you wait, trust me. Trust me, I can do anything. That was the message to the next character of the story, Mary herself, Mary, the the mother of Jesus, the mother of God. Mary, we're told, is probably a teenager, about the age of the kid out here practicing in the parking lot. And we're told of Mary that she is absolutely virtuous. Can you imagine an angel appearing to you and saying, God favors you highly? You're kind of like, who, me? Is there someone else in the room? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to me? You're favored. You're so favored that that I've got a surprise for you. You don't have to be afraid. You are going to conceive. You're going to bear a son. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to save his people from their sins. Now, Mary, just like Zachariah, doesn't know quite, quite what's going on here. How can this happen since I'm a virgin? I have, I have not had a relationship with a man, and you're telling me that I'm going to have a baby. And the angel explains in detail what's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And the child that is born of you will be holy. It will be the Son of God. The Son of God will be born to you. And, and she's, kind of, she's trying to wrap her head around this, and she's trying to understand it. She finds out that Elizabeth is going to have a baby in her old age. And then, and then the angel says this, maybe one of the most important messages in Scripture, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nobody before had ever had a, a baby by way of virgin birth, and nobody since. But God can literally do anything. Mary's response, I'm your servant. May it be to me according to your word. Whatever you say, I am open to whatever you say. You see, Zachariah received an impossible message. Mary's was outright impossible. Virgins don't have babies. Doesn't work that way. But all things are possible with God. And in the improbable message, we're being taught to wait. But in the impossible message, we're being taught to trust. We're being asked of God, do you believe that I can do anything? And for most of us, we say, yeah, anything but. And he wants us to come to a point of saying, no, but. I believe. I believe you can do absolutely anything. Come to one of my favorite characters in the Christmas story, Joseph. Joseph is this poor guy. Talk about collision. He is just caught in the mess of the story. He didn't ask for this. Hey, this, this, wasn't, this wasn't his desire. Hey, he just, all of a sudden, he finds out from this woman, this, this woman to whom he's engaged, oh, by the way, I'm going to have a baby. Really? How'd that happen? Oh, don't worry, don't worry. It wasn't a dude. It was God. Really? I mean, you got to be thinking, like, wow, not only are you lying, you're, you're doing a, a biggie lie here. But you know what we read about Joseph is that he's such an honorable man, he's such a decent man, that he's not even willing, anybody else would humiliate Mary. Can you believe this story? She told me this is God's kid. What a joke. She wants, he wants to do everything he can to protect and preserve her reputation. And he receives a, a dream 
And in the dream, an angel appears while he's pondering all this. And the angel says, don't be afraid to take Mary to, your, to be your wife. She's telling the truth. This child is the Holy Spirit, of the Holy Spirit. And when he's born, you're to name him Jesus. His name is Emmanuel, meaning God with us. And this is what I love about Joseph. This, this crazy dream. And you know what it says? He got up from his sleep and he did what the angel told him to do. Two other times he receives dreams. He receives a dream uh, when, when the family is threatened. And God, through an angel, says, go to Egypt. Now, going to Egypt is like, why in the world would you go to Egypt as an Israelite? Bad things happen to Israelites in Egypt. Why in the world would you tell me to go to Egypt? But it says, when he was told, he woke up and he went. And then while they're in Egypt, the people who are threatening Jesus' life die, and he's told once again, you can go ahead, you can get back to the land where you belong. And it says he woke up and he started to go. And part of what I love about his story is that he starts realizing, he starts realizing that there's a threat over here, things going on over there, and he just, with wisdom, follows the path of God back to Nazareth where Jesus has the opportunity to be, to, to be raised just an amazing, incredible story. A man whom, from whom in Scripture we never have one word. He never says a word. All he does is responds to the message of God and obeys. He received an invitational message. An invitation. Come be a part of the story. And you know what? Joseph could have said no. He could have said no. Because each of those invitations, they were a little crazy. They were a little dangerous. There, there, was, there was a side to them that was like, if I marry this woman, my reputation is going to be tarnished forever. If we go to Egypt, bad stuff could happen there. But even though, even though it was beyond his reason, beyond his understanding, he said, I trust God. And he said yes to the invitation again and again and again. Where's that collision for you that God's been inviting you to do something? But when you look at the invitation, you're like, man, there's danger involved. There's risk involved. It's crazy. Why would anybody do that? Because God asked you to. Because God asked you to. He's inviting you. He's inviting you to join him. Of course, we have the beautiful appearance of the angel and then angels on the night that Jesus is born. Appearance to the shepherds who are out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. You can hear Linus reading it, can't you? I mean, it just, it comes straight to you. You hear the story, you hear the story of the angel, and then the multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest on earth, peace on whom God rests. Oh, the beauty of this message. And the night goes dark, the night goes dark. And these, these fellas now have a decision to make. Was that a hallucination? What just happened there? No, that was a message from God. That was a message from God. We've heard God, and they said immediately they followed. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing which the Lord has made known to, unto us. You see, for them, it was an inescapable message. They had no choice. They had no choice. The angel appeared. They couldn't help but listen. And I'm telling you what, Christmas is an inescapable message. You may try to relabel it holiday or whatever you want, but the bottom line is the day is all about the birth of a human being who is also God, 100% God, 100% man, and he presents to us an inescapable choice, an inescapable message. What are you going to do with Jesus? 
What are you going to do with Jesus? For a lot of us, we say, I'll deal with it later. You don't know that you have a later. You just don't know that you have a later. Every one of us is dead in our trespasses and sin. We can't take care of that on our own. Jesus was sent as a gift to you. His death, his burial, and resurrection were offered for you, for your forgiveness. And you have the choice, just like you will today or tomorrow, as a family member hands you a gift. You can either go, thank you very much. You can go, no way, I don't want that. God is handing you a gift, an inescapable gift. Thank you, or no way, I don't want that. We're going to wrap up all of our Advent reading with one final reading that Brian's going to come bring right now. And I love it because it, it, it talks about the fact that we've got to respond to the call. Are you going to respond to the call? And it actually starts with a quote by, by Mother Teresa, which, would you read that? I love this quote. I know God will not give me anything that I can't handle. I wish that he didn't trust me so much. I think that's where a lot of us are, right? I mean, uh, you know, I, God doesn't give us what we can't handle, but that means that we're going to be called to trust. It means that we're going to be called to wait. It means that we're going to be called to all the hard things these people went through in this story. So go ahead and read this for us, please. The Virgin Mary, the mother of Jesus, is often contrasted with Eve. Persuaded by the devil, Eve chose to ignore what God had asked of her, believing that she knew better. Conversely, when the archangel Gabriel came to the virgin and told her that she would be the mother of God, she said, be it unto me according to your will. In other words, Eve said no to God, and Mary simply said yes. Saying yes to God is no easy thing. As we see throughout scripture in the lives of the saints, God does not make small demands of his servants. Honestly, it can be difficult to walk the road of faith without stumbling. Sure, we may feel great about saying yes to God initially, but then the road drags on for months or even for years. That road at first seemed bright and full of exciting promise can grow rocky and dark and long. Put another way, saying yes to God can initially feel like Christmas morning, all bright and hopeful, but before you know it, it's the middle of February. That Christmas feeling is all but gone. Now everything just feels dark, cold, and more than a little depressing. In such times of our life, between Christmas and spring, we may begin to wonder whether saying yes to God was a huge mistake. In such times, it can be encouraged, or we can be encouraged by the Virgin Mary's example. Her road took her from the first Christmas with the angels singing on high to cradling the body of her dead son at Calvary. Yet, despite the dark place that her path took her, she continued to trust without any real-world guarantee that God had all things in hand. With each bend in her road, no matter how rocky or dark the terrain got, Mary continued to say yes to God. Ultimately, that yes took her and all of us to the door of an empty tomb. On this glorious Christmas day, let us commit to saying yes to God's demands in our life and follow that road, as Mary did, trusting that he has all things in hand. Every one of us in this room today, God is, is at the intersection. 
It may be the intersection of the improbable. We've waited and waited and waited. And the yes is to wait a little longer. It may be the intersection of the impossible. It just can't happen. And the decision is to say yes to trusting. The intersection of the invitation. But it's going to cost so much. And it's going to be so hard. And it's going to drag on. And it's going to be difficult. Will we say yes? The inescapable message. The yes to Jesus. Will this finally be the Christmas that we say yes to Jesus? We thank you for the messages of the angels. We know that they weren't the messages of the angels. They were your messages. We listen to you. We follow you. We trust you. We obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. We talk about a collision. Our favorite Christmas song and our favorite Easter song, boom, both at the same time. Just amazing to think that when this whole story started, an angel appeared to a woman, a virgin, to whom the angel said, you are highly favored. You are going to be the mother of the Son of God. And you come down to the Easter story and there's another Mary. And she's far from worthy. She's far from favored. She's, she's a woman who had been literally possessed by demons. And it's to her that an angel says, he is not here, he is risen. Do you know those messages had nothing to do with the women? They had everything to do with God. Because today you may feel highly favored or you may feel like the scum of the earth. And that's not what's relevant. What's relevant is that there's a God in heaven who loved you enough to send his son to be born, to live, to die, and to rise again so that you can have eternal life. And you're sitting at that intersection today, and it is time to choose. Are you going to say yes to the gift? Are you going to say no thanks? But you, <laughs> but you can't ignore it, right? You can't. So don't be smart as a kid for crying out loud. Receive the gift. Merry Christmas. We'll see you.